Oh, it's been a wonderful couple of months enjoying all of this extra Halloween. I'm glad we converted November into Halloween too. Oh, I know, right? It, it, a double no, a double Halloween is best Halloween. Right. We we should just keep having Halloween, but I guess. I guess the unicorn dance party season is coming. You know, we have to honour the time of year when the the unicorns kick the spirit of winter in the nuts. Exactly. You've got to honour the traditions around here. That is true. Yeah, I guess so. Well, I'm going to nip to the shops. Uh, Do you want anything? Oh, no, I'm all right. I'm all right, I think. Okay, I'm just going to get some, like, snackies and bits. Yeah. A few hours later. Uh, mm. Hey. The decorations are still up, huh? What it feels like there's more decorations than when I left. Still, still spoopy. There's still a lot of spoop. The Halloween and the UDP decorations can coexist. I mean, I think Baphomet looks lovely with those twinkly fairy lights. I thought so too, right? Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. Yup, and the and the and the spoopy skeletons now with flashy lights and a little hat. Ah, oh, that. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of thinking we can just keep adding on more and more holidays. We just stop taking them down. We'll have the biggest display by the end. Spookman, I wish it could be Spookmas every day. And also Halloween. That's what I'm saying. Spookmas. <laughs> Spookmas, all the Halloweens, yeah. multiple Halloweens, just forever and ever and ever, <laughs> forever the Halloween. The Eternoween. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast, two queer trans ladies. It's us. We're married. We're wivy types. We do. We talk about what we've done media wise in the week and have a bit of a silly catch up and whatnot. How you doing? (sighs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Life continues to occur a lot. Yep. Yep. There's a lot of it, that life. I am noticing that I I don't feel alone. Like, I've noticed on Twitter, like, a lot of people in the last day or so have been like, it's a lot, right? It is it's a lot. I mean, the cold and the dark set in, and also it's hitting December, and suddenly everyone's going, oh god, the year's nearly over. And all the transphobia. I mean, there's that too. But you know what's not transphobia? Things we've played. <laughs> that was a, a beautiful segue. <laughs> Look, you sometimes see an opening, you, you, you sprint head first Get in there. Get in yeah, there. Yeah, the what have you played this what week? What have I played this week? Well, I played some good games and some not so good games. Yeah, is that so? Uh, yeah, no great or perfect on this show. No. No, I played uh, the Lego Movie 2 video game. This is one of them open worldy Lego yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah, like I've bought a lot of Lego the video games. Yeah. And including Lego the movie, the video game. Which I seem to remember you feel pretty fondly of. It's one of my favourite Lego video games. Okay. It's oddly charming. So what what went wrong between the first and the second movie tie-in, I guess? So you know all of the other... Well, I, I mean, I don't know the exact story, but you know, like, how Lego games have been ever since, like, Lego Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just... You have levels, they're set levels, they're based on... A section of a thing from a film, or or something like that. Yeah. And then you you play through them, and you 
then you play through them again in free play and there's like a true whatever mode. Yeah. Uh, for getting like tons of pips, you collect like red bricks yeah. that give you two times, four times, six times, eight times, ten times yeah. mon- modifiers and like disguises and silly things like that. And this is the good way that you like it, is it? This is the is... good way that I have enjoyed okay. it so far. I, I 100% a bunch of them. Okay. And then I'm happy. And the first movie video game was like that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Cool. It was a shorter experience, but because the, the movie is the way it is, the game sort of tried to capture that while still being like its own thing. And I think it did a really nice job of that. Yeah. And the second one is like, you know how the movie started off in this like bleak dystopia of Lego. Oh yeah, yeah. It was trying to be a like Mad Max esque. Uh, yeah. yeah, but have you imagined like looking at that for a prolonged period of time? I mean, I think there's a very clear reason that that film spent no more than like five to ten minutes in that before it buggered the hell off and didn't come back. And the the reason that in the uh, Mad Max video game, like there's dust storms everywhere. Yeah. To sort of add some 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 volume texture. and texture to the world. Yeah. It's just large expanses of flat yellow. Well, oh, that doesn't sound fun for a Lego game. An occasional like, oh, here's a like a set piece, like there's a, like a fallen over building or something. And is this just like a very short bit at the beginning of the game? Uh, it seems to be that there are planets. Okay. I, I, I streamed this. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna play a Lego game on stream. Woo! Right from the beginning. Woo! Jumped in. I was like, this is. What the fuck is this? Sometimes that that is the risk you run with streaming. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I'd obviously not played it before, and clearly hadn't picked up enough from the um, trailers and stuff to realise what it was, and I just did, just didn't really I mean, enjoy it. Like the, the... usually, I will break off stream from a Lego yeah. game, and I'll be like, you know what, I'm probably going to be playing that for the rest of the week. Yeah, and I haven't had any desire to go back to it. It, it feels like a real weird thing that they've messed that up in that, like Lego, the Lego games have got such a consistent formula they know how to do right like that's like they they know how to do the thing and they do it and it seems like it'd be hard to screw that up yeah yeah it seems like that should be the case but no they fucked it up what about you what have you played uh pokemon Tell us about Pokemon. You played both Diamond, uh, Brilliant Diamond, and Shining. Pearl. Yeah. So I uh, here's how my Pokemon journey went. Um, I started just casually playing Pokemon Brilliant Diamond, and then I got to the bit where the legendary was, um, Dialga, the sort of version exclusive legendary, and I already have multiple of it in Shiny. I don't need it in Shiny, but there's no Pokemon Home yet, so I can't bring my Shinies into it. So I was like, I kind of want a Shiny of this one though. So, I started soft resetting for it, which is where you just uh, restart the game over and over and over and over to try and get this shiny Pokemon that there is, at that point in the game, and nothing I can do to make the odds better. It's just 1 in 4,096. Get lucky. Um, I'm up all night for that. Yeah, and I mean, I'd, I'd had a busy couple of weeks with like protesty stuff and activism-y stuff, and I, ju- I just needed something to repetitively no-brain to, and that was very good for that. And then I had a moment of like, well, I kind of want to, I kind of want to actually be playing story again, but I'm not done soft resetting. Yeah. So I booted up uh, Shining Pearl. Yes. And I started powering through that, mainly just trying to get as quick as I could to where the region exclusives were. You've spent Um, a long part of that game, even through the first gym with only one Pokemon. 
Oh yeah, no, I went like a long way not catching a single Pokemon. I had a couple of gift Pokemon I picked up along the way, but like, mm -hmm. I didn't catch anything until like, some Pokemon I didn't yet have that I saw. It was like a, like a Steelix or something where I was like, oh, don't have one of those, I'll get that. Um, <laughs> um, then I went back to, to, to Brilliant Diamond because here's the thing. Um, this was a thing in the, the original Gen, one, uh, Gen 4 games back on the DS, and I hadn't seen confirmation anywhere that it was a, the case in the remake, so I'd been a bit iffy. Um, turns out, you can... You don't... Uh, so when you first find the Legendary, you're basically like, these trainers are behind you, they tell you you can't leave, because this is a story moment, the Legendary's in front of you. If you catch it, you've caught it. You, no re-rolling for Shiny. In the, the original release, you could knock it out, or run away from the legendary, mm. go beat the Elite Four, and then go talk to the professor, and the professor will go like, oh, hey, um, I heard fr uh, some rumours that it's back up there. And you can, like, as long as you haven't caught it, right. you can go back up and try again. Right. So, without a huge amount of verification, I largely was like, okay, if this is wrong, I guess I'll replay Brilliant Diamond on another save file to, to get back to this point. I knocked it out, went and did the Elite Four on the champion. Uh, it was correct. I can still do it in the remake. Uh, so it's back at the top of the mountain for me to soft, uh, do my resets on. That being said, I've unlocked the other shiny hunting method in this Pokemon game. Um, Poke Radar Chaining, uh, which is kind of similar-ish to Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee's uh, chain mechanic. It's a little mm -hmm. more, a little, a little bit more luck, a little bit more obtuse, but like the odds are real good once you get it going. Yeah. The gist is, you get an item once you've beaten the Elite Four and seen all of the Gen Four, like the 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 first 151 Pokemon in Gen Four. Mm -hmm. Um, and you can go stand in a patch of grass with this item mm -hmm. and activate it, and a couple of patches of grass will start shaking, and you go, you go interact with one, you'll see a Pokemon. Cool. Um, you can catch it or knock it out. Catching it gets you better odds for this working out. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, let's say you catch it. I believe it's a 90, 93% chance that when you catch it, more patches of grass containing that Pokemon will spawn. Okay. Um, multiple patches will spawn when you've done the catch. You want to go for one that's four spaces away from you on either the up, down, or left, right axes. Right. Um, to get that 93% chance of catch that one, 93% chance another one, like more grass patches will go. Right. And you're making a chain of these. Right. Um, and you have to catch these. Yeah, you're doing catches. Um, <coughs> um, you need to use a repel in between the bits of grass so that you don't walk into a random encounter while walking between the dedicated bits of grass. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, and if you can get a chain of these going, you start getting better odds of things like um, sp uh, special, like um, hidden hidden abilities, better stats for those Pokemon. The further you get into these chains, but the odds of you getting a shiny get considerably better. Up to the top end of it. if you can, if you can get forty in a row without the chain breaking, your shiny odds go as low as one in ninety nine. Which is, like, real good shiny odds. Um, plus, once you reach that 40 mark... And I realise I'm info-dumping out. This no, is all right. No, go ahead. Yeah. Keep going. Um, so when you get to that that 40 encounters, you can stop risking the chain breaking by just 
running back and forth a bit and using the radar to get some new spots to show up because you can see which ones if there is a shiny in the grass it'll sparkle Mm -hmm. so once you've hit that 40 mark and your odds aren't going to get any better you can just start going like refresh the spots refresh the spots refresh the spots there's a shiny go catch it when you catch that shiny there's a 93 percent chance that the chain will keep going and you can reset and reset and you can start redoing the grasses to get another shiny patch and as such, like, it's it's an inconsistent method to get to that 40 chain. Getting to that 40 chain is tricky. Um, I believe the odds of, like, all 40 of those 93% rolls being correct is, like, you've got, like, a 5% chance of that working. Which is, like, that's only, like, getting a crit or a botch on a I D20, guess. which isn't that bad. Um, but once you, if you get to that chain of 40, the chances are pretty good that you can get multiple of that same shiny back-to-back. Mm. Um, which, for someone like me, who I, I collect... I'm trying to make a living shiny deck, so I'm trying to get all the evolutions, at the not just, like, one and evolve it up. Mm. Um, for most things, I need two or three of the base level to, you know, yeah. evolve into its evolutions. This method, once I get that chain of 40, I can catch, usually catch enough to do the evolutions mm-hmm. and spares for trading. It's great when it pays off. Um, so yeah, that's what I've been doing. I'm playing Pokemon. Pokemon! What have you been doing? Uh, I played another Lego game. Yeah? Also not a great one. I played Lego Pirates of the Caribbean because <laughs> it was recommended to me as one of the better ones. Like, forget the films, forget everything else. It's just a fun little Lego game with nice mechanics and nice level design. I was like, cool, I'll give that a look. And then I was even happier when I found out it had the mumbles rather than voice acting. So you don't have to listen to Johnny Depp mumbling. Exactly. Exactly. Don't don't have to listen to to, to Johnny Depp saying words. I just get the nice mumbles. And, like, I always felt that the Lego games... Like, I'm not going to be, like, a purist about it. Like, I don't don't want to be like some people say, oh, I like where they just had the mumbles. But like there is, there was always something charming about the way they did the cutscenes in those games when the characters just mumbled, because you like had to do lot a lot more visually, and I felt like that was like a just a really nice language of just like the silliness and the way they communicated those things. Hmm. Um, and yeah, that that was nice to have, but this one has um, quite long levels. Yeah. And a propensity to crash a lot. Yeah, a lot of the Lego games seem to have been doing that for you, but this one particularly seemed to be pretty nasty. Well, initially I was having a lot of problems with it, and I wondered if it was just something to do with the age of it. And I went on like Steam forums and people were saying, like, run it in Windows 7 compatibility mode, because it's one of the older ones. Yeah. I was like, was on... Because it's got the fourth film in it. It's got On Stranger Tides in it as well. Oh, and sorry, like, you mean it's got levels based on the full? Yes. I, I thought you meant the film was in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, I understand, I apologise. Yeah, that's um, okay. Yeah, it's got sort of levels based on the on the fourth Pirates movie, so I was like, it can't be that old, right? How old? How long? I, I realised that At World's End was probably sometime like 2006, 2007, maybe? Hmm. Uh, so I, I God, it would have been, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. no! Oh yes! Oh, time is moving. I don't like it. <laughs> Stop it, time! <laughs> Stop that time. It's fine. It just, it's, it's like it was a long time. Like, I, at least the third one was a long time ago. So maybe that was a problem. So I was like, fine, okay, I will run it in compatibility mode. 
it got better. Someone else suggested adding adding some things to the uh, like startup command, and I was like, "Cool, I will give that a whirl." And it definitely made it better. Yeah, like I was getting slightly like a lot further. Sometimes I could play multiple consecutive levels, and it wouldn't crash. Yeah, and I certainly wasn't having the problem where I was doing one level and it was getting almost to the end and then crashing, which was really pissing me off. Yeah. But it was it was still going often enough that like I'd play like a couple of levels and I'd be 100%ing them because that's what I'm yeah. doing. It's my second time yeah. through. Um, I got almost all of the red hats. So yeah. oh, I have now got all of the red hats. I was like, yes. okay. And I've got all but one of the characters as far as I'm aware. I feel like maybe there's expansion characters or hidden characters somewhere. Oh, yeah. Um, although they might just be the character creator ones at the bottom. Ah. Uh, um, but there's a blunt bunch of silhouettes on the very bottom row on the right-hand side. I was like, uh, I haven't got whatever those are yet. And there's one jam-pack in the middle. Don't know which character that is, but I will track them down. Because they just appear randomly Yeah. in the world. And you have to just, like... Sometimes you have to fight them, antagonise them enough... Until they will pause and you can is, purchase them. Is that common for this series or is that just this one? Most, like, uh, Lego the Hobbit had them all appear on the map. Yeah. So you could be like, oh, there's one over there I haven't got yet. I will just fly to the nearest uh, eagle statue and then go pick it up. Yeah. Um, I think other games have had versions where, like, you could either go and find them in the world if you bumped into them in the world. Or you could. Or you could go yeah. to, like, a shop place and be like, yeah, so we'll unlock this. Okay, but this just has the find them in the world. Yeah. So okay. there's been a few times like, where is this character? I don't even know what that character is. Yeah. I don't know what I'm looking for or where I should be looking. And sometimes if one character blows up another because they just interact with each other in the world. Yeah. That character doesn't seem to respawn anytime soon, yeah. or possibly at all. Mm. So it's like, I don't really know how to get that person back now, or what. Um, and then I was just trying to do levels and stuff, and it, yeah. you know, going on like a 20 minute jaunt through a level, scouring every little bit of a thing, only to find that it just wasn't gonna let me have the thing. But thanks, the game. Thanks, video game. Thanks, appreciate. Uh, I don't appreciate. Uh, so yeah, there was that. What about you? Um, I've been playing around with Switch modding. Ooh. Because hey, fun fact: if you have an old enough Switch, it's really easy to mod. Um, and they can't. Fun fact: they can't software stop you doing that because it's a hardware flaw with the uh, the the <laughs> the physical chip inside it. Um, I won't go into detail about how it's done here, but the short version is you put something in the USB slot and you put something in one of the Joy-Con rails and oops, there you go, you hacked it. So this is like the first generation that had the paperclip hack. Uh, yes. So this is basically the paperclip... Uh, I've got a thing that you slide in the Joy-Con rail that basically does the paperclip hack, but Without like... poking things yeah, random. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it has two metal bits in it that are in the correct place that if you slide it in the Joy-Con rail, the paperclip will be in the right spot, mm -hmm. so you won't fuck anything up. You're not scratching um, anything. And there's a thing that goes in the bottom of the Switch that, like, you don't strictly need, you could use a PC for it, but it's basically like, hey, plug this in the bottom, that's wh that's where the stuff is that says make it, make it hacked. Mm -hmm. Um... And I've been playing around a bit. I've been working out what what functionality is available and how, you know, the, the Switch works. Yeah. Um, the two main takeaways I want to talk about is, hey, 
those Pokemon Gen 4 remakes totally can play perfectly well at 60 frames a second. Um, pe people who have, with hat switches, can just play that game at a better frame rate. Um, second of all, there's a bunch of functionality that'd be really nice that Nintendo doesn't let you have because, like, it could be used for cheating purposes, but, like, it's just nice to have. Like, being able to back up your saves on an SD card if you're worried about losing them, particularly for games like Pokemon, where you can't do cloud s saves of your saves because yeah. they don't want you to fucking cheat, cheat catching your Pokemon. Which for someone like me, who is terrified of losing my shiny collection, I'm like, no, let me back up my saves. Let yes. me back my saves up somewhere. It's little virtual monsters. They're not that... Im they don't matter that much if people, like, you know, make fake ones. And regardless... But this is thousands of hours yeah. of my life. Exactly. Um, so, yeah... I've got... I've got... <sighs> the Switch has better functionality in modded form than, like, Nintendo gives it, and that's that's always a thing to, to yeah. learn, you know... Yeah, when you were talking about the 60fps thing, I was like... Mm. Yeah, 60fps mode. A lot of the complaints people have had about um, the, the Pokemon Gen 4 remakes are things that modders have, like, settings where you can just do those things that Nintendo won't let you. So, like, uh, people who want to turn off experience share because it's stuck on by default. There, there's a mod that'll let you turn off experience share. If you want to, you know, if you want to turn off the friendship mechanics, you don't enjoy those, you can just turn them off. A lot of the things that people have been going, oh, I really wish Nintendo would add this as a option, as an option rather than forcing it. Modders are just like, yeah, there you go, there you go. I've done it. I've done it. Um, I mean, this is um, this is mainly a curiosity project. It's mm. a, it's been fun fucking around with stuff. Um, yeah. but like, it's real. Oh, custom themes. Custom themes are nice. Mm -hmm. That sort of nice pastel clouds mm. background that was going. Yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, it's goodbye lighting. Yeah, it's it's real. It's real interesting realizing how easy this console is to to mod if you've got an old enough one and like seeing what the scene's been doing with that because there's there's some fun little homebrew applications. One of my favorite ones I messed around with a little bit today was um using it for um remote play streaming. Mm -hmm. Um, so you want to play a PC or a Xbox or a PlayStation game in a handheld form factor. Uh, just Wi-Fi stream it to your Switch. Take that, Stream Deck. Exactly. Like there's it's 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 fun messing around with. Mm -hmm. Um what about you? What you played this week? Uh the only other thing I've really played this week is the uh Gloomhaven Digital Edition. Yeah, this is not Jaws of the Lion, the sort of mini campaign we've been physically playing. This is this, this is, is full, this is like one hundred uh, yeah. mission. This is big kids Gloomhaven. This is this is this is the original Gloomhaven. Well, third printing or whatever we're on now. Yeah, full sized campaign Gloomhaven. Do it if you want. Good luck. Yeah, uh, it's huge. Mm. Like you, you get a real feel for that even in in this. Yeah. Um. So you have, like, seven starting characters. Okay. Seven? Six or seven starting characters. Yeah. That so you a, a couple more than, than Jaws of the Lion. <clears throat> yes, and I know that there are 17 characters total in that box. I'm glad they don't drop 17 on you at once, I guess. Plus it's, you know, stuff to unlock. Yeah. Um, things that I have enjoyed so far, the uh, mechanic of... Uh, the fact that you, your as your reputation as a band of mercenaries in, increases, yeah, the uh, costs that the merchant will drop. Hmm. So it's like um, you've got reputation level up 
like plus a certain level, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to take a gold off. You save a gold every time you buy anything. And considering how little golds you can get sometimes in that game, yeah, it's nice to be like, oh, cool, I've got a whole bunch of money. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. Mm. It is so much hard. Like, I don't know if it's just the fact that I'm doing it on my own and sometimes I'm making, like, small mistakes... Well, you seem to be doing better now you're controlling three characters. Yes, I started off initially playing three characters, um, and Enox Brute, I think it is. Yeah. And uh, a, a Savan, Savan, I think they are. Yeah. Um, like, um, they're both rocky people. One of them has horns, one of them doesn't. <laughs> um, and I was like, cool, I'll have these two. They seem like they would have good synergy, and... That's fine. And they yeah. weren't great together, I'll be honest. Yeah. Um, like, I was like, well, this one says, like, support and 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 the other one says... I'm oh, sorry, support and ranged. And the other one says, like, melee, uh, like, melee tank. I was like, yeah. th- they seem like they would go well together. Mm. And the, the support character didn't have a huge amount of healing. Like, certainly mm. not through the first three levels that I put them through now. Because surprise, surprise, I've played a lot of this game and died. Yeah. But luckily you get to keep your experience and you get to keep your gold. Yeah. So anytime I feel like my characters are starting to die or that the mission is lost, Mm. I'm just like burning any cards that will get me experience. Yeah. That Um, is a wise call. So it is like, it's very much like the, 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 the game that we know. It's, it's. It's really not as brutal as I'd feared in that regard. Being able to keep your experience and your gold is... Yeah, that, that, I mean, that is one of the nicer things. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to have your personal missions. Yes. And um, I'm, like, I'm finally starting to see how that changes things, because yeah. originally I'd been like, oh, the personal missions, that means that characters will just retire once those missions are completed. Mm. And that seems like a really bad thing, potentially. Yeah. Because, like, you've worked this so hard on this character, you've got this character, like, up to a certain level, and that that's it, game over, they've, they've retired, you have to, like, basically restart that character from the beginning. The answer is not quite that simple. Yeah. So, when you complete a character's um, personal mission, you will, incre- you will increase the city's prosperity level. Hmm. Depending on what the city's prosperity level is, the city's wealth might increase. Yeah. Which means that you can, you don't have to, but you can start a level a character at a higher level than level one. Yes. So you will you will be rolling a new one. They will have their own brand new personal goal to do. Yeah. But they will be starting with, say, the level two cards or the level three cards. Yeah, which is... Good for keeping them at pace with the rest of the team, but also is going to mean a little bit of jumping in the deep end, I imagine. A little bit, but I, f- I like obviously they're not going to have their items, so that's yeah. a bit of a pain. But I guess those items return to the pool or get sold yeah. or. And not sure. I, I suspect you could still read the level one stuff and go, okay, I'm going to have a look at this and work out how this character works at their base level. Then look at the level two. Okay, I see what that did, and then jump in. I mean, theoretically, yeah. I guess so. Like, I am really enjoying watching some of these characters level up because, like, in our, in our game, we've just got through the tutorials and I think we've, I think we've got level one cards. 
In our game that we're playing with George Lane. I think they're level two cards. Okay, so we've got yeah. the level one cards, the level the X cards, and the level yeah. two cards. Yes, to. I believe. So I'm starting to see level three cards now. Mm. That's really interesting. So basically, at every level, you'll have, be presented with two cards. Yeah. And you just pick one. Yeah. And that, that is, is yours to have. And you can add that to your deck or not, depending on yeah. what your hand limit is. And then, like, at your next level when you pick a card, you've got the choice of the two cards for that level and the one that you didn't pick from the previous level. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely get the other one when I get to the next level, and then you get to the next level and you go, no, no, those are way better. <laughs> like, I am really enjoying, like, watching some of these characters evolve, and I think yeah. that as I move forward, I'm really looking forward to picking slightly easier to finish uh, missions to try and ramp, like, level up the city's prosperity. Yeah. Like, burn through a character pretty quickly, potentially, and see how that, like, levels up and makes, like, starting a new character more interesting. Yeah. Because, like, just watch it, like, that whole, because I'd been told that Frosthaven was the one with the, like, the city building mechanics and stuff. Mm. And I believe that is, like, more of the case. But there's definitely some of it there here. There is definitely some of that here. And I am glad to see that, because that's part of why I had resisted getting, like, classic Gloomhaven. Mm. But this game is so hard. And there's, like, I don't know if it's just me playing on my own and not having that. Two other people sitting at the table with me and we're, like, obviously not talking about what cards we're going to play immediately. But once yeah. those cards have been laid down, we can start talking about strategy and stuff. Yeah. And having that, I'm going to do this. I don't think you should do that. It's my player. I'm going to do it anyway. I guess we're doing that now. Are you talking about me rushing ahead? <laughs> like anything like that. Yeah. Like in in that in that team, you are working together, but you can't guarantee that that you're all going to do necessarily like what somebody else thinks is necessarily the best yeah. thing. And for better or worse, that will sort of change your playstyle. Yeah, a bit exactly. And... and you can work around that. And like. Like, we haven't... Re I don't think we've actually ended up losing a single game in Claude Jaws the Lion. No, yeah. we've had games we thought we lost and then double-checked yeah. and then realised we'd won. Apparently that is a really common thing with yeah. with Gloomhaven Standard and Gloomhaven Jaws the Lion. What, thinking you've lost and then... No, just uh, getting so used to the fact that the first few missions are kill mm -hmm. all the enemies that you forget that sometimes that changes. Like, one of the missions I tried to do earlier today was go into this thing... And uh, loot this chest. Yeah. And then get to the exit. It's like, cool, I can do that. As soon as you get in there, it's like, okay, there are two doors in front of you. You will need to kill an elite in order to get through that door. Once you kill the elite, that will open the door. And then you will need to open, uh, you need to kill another elite to open another door. Uh, so the, like, the door on the left will always open first. And the other door will open once the other enemy in the room is dead. Okay. It's like, uh, okay, but you need to do it in that order. Um, sure, I, I guess that's the thing I need to do. Cool. So I got to the end of the room. Like, yeah. I rushed there. I was like, cool, I will loot the chest, and then I will just run back out, and we'll do the mission as it was stated. As soon as I picked up the items, it was like, there's a different victory condition you could pursue. <laughs> oh... I have not planned for any other different... You laser targeted on one victory condition and then they went, hey, but while you're here... And this one seems way more sensible. Like, I don't want to do spoilers, but, like, 
It's basically like, uh, yeah, the things you're picking up might be cursed. You could either take them with you and complete the mission as it was originally written, or you could return them to the place where they were taken from (laughs) and put that curse to rest. It's like, fuck. Because now I've... Like, torn through this level as fast as possible. There are lots of things chasing me. I've walked into a room full of things that want me dead. Yeah. I am not sufficiently leveled for this. Mm. Um, Like, I did the first two missions. May, like, of 17 times I'd played, like, started a mission, mm. I'd got through the first two levels. It's the first two original scenarios. Yeah. And like by the end of that I had um a side mission that I'd got. Mm. Like one of the um one of the things I picked up somewhere was like, hey you can go to this well, there's a thing you can go into this well. It was like, ah okay. And then I got back to town and it was like, okay, thanks for doing that quest. Here is my next quest. As soon as I walked out of talking to that person, somebody was like, hey that person might be a bit shady. Come and do a quest for us. So I've now oh. got like five quests open. And it's a case of like, do you want to work with this person who seems to be shady as fuck? Or do you want to work with this person who appears to be with the city? And it seems like all the best things in this game happen when you are working for the betterment of the city. Mmm... This is like, okay, I mean, we haven't mentioned any kings or anything, so I'm I, I'm happy working for my community and not the people who seem to be very much out for themselves. So I'm happy to do that. Like, that, but also it is like a really shady city. It's almost like Moorfork with how shady it is. Uh. Like, there's cut purses and thieves and people summoning shit. It might not be dragons or custard, but, you know. I'm so excited to play more... more... Jaws of the Lion. I think we're oh. going to get it on Sunday, potentially. I think we? so. I think the day this episode goes up, we probably will be playing more of it. I am very excited to, to play more Gloom, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm considering, like, depending on how long it takes for Frosthaven to arrive, maybe getting Gloomhaven, but accepting that it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. really hard. And the idea that you will play through, like, a two plus hour campaign or, or, or scenario, potentially. Yeah. And go. Ah, we lost. Because you know how we always talk about how nicely balanced this is? Yeah. Imagine if you'd got to, like, a point where you've been playing for about two hours and then you've lost and you've just had to walk back to town (laughs) with your experience and your gold and go, "Eh, let's try again, I guess. We're going to have years of excuses to have board game weekends with that particular (laughs) friend and I'm very excited about that. Yay! Big, big gaming friend! Yay! Do you want to talk about anything else? Uh, no, that's it for me, I think. Well, then. Oh, time for this. Right, right. So, uh, uh, yeah. Everyone in? Everyone in? Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, here at Hasbro, we own everything. I mean, yeah. Everything, yeah. everything, right? Yeah. So, and we own all of the old uh, companies. We bought all of the old games companies. Yeah, we own yeah. them now. We own them. Yeah. We yeah. got the Transformers. We got the My Little Pony. We got Milton Bradley games. Yeah. We got all of the old games. Yeah. And then, then people were saying, like, oh, the price of Hero Quest has gone up and 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 up. So we, you know, we did our Hasbro Pulse thing. Yeah, and now yeah. 
Hero Quest is happening again. Yeah. It's not as good. No, but it's there. But it, it is there. It is back again, and it's got plastic models, and we like plastic, more plastic. And it's very easy to make things more expensive when you have heavy plastic getting Yeah. In. Yeah. So, uh, what else can we uh, artificially inflate the prices of on eBay, and then... Encourage people to buy again because from their youth. Oh, I don't know. Well, you got any starting ideas? Uh, mousetrap. Oh, mousetrap. Uh, yeah. Mm. What if mousetrap but gritty realism and there's now an app? Oh yeah, yeah. Like you gotta you gotta scan the QR code to find out which uh, bit of the the contraption you gotta twist or something. Yeah. Uh, okay, okay. Uh, operation. But like, uh, once you put the the pliers through the thing, uh, it's a there's a, a video game happening. You you gotta play the video game on the TV while your uh, tweezers are in the right. The, the oh, like maybe we could have like a little camera in there. Yeah, and it yeah. feels like microsurgery. Exactly. And know. that way, and it's 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 not a good camera, but we yeah. can make it like really really expensive that way. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what about Buckaroo? What can we do with Buckaroo? Uh, life size Buckaroo. Life size Buckaroo. Okay. It's a full living room investment. Okay, I mean, we could probably get a lot of money out of that. A lot yeah, of money exactly. Around. It's, uh, feel the childlike wonder of being smaller than your toys or something. And because of uh, Hasbro Pulse, we can do, like, a whole elite tier edition, and yeah. you get, like, actual, you get an actual donkey, and you get actual fabrics and things, and, and an actual hat and things, and you have to just literally stack that on the donkey. Okay, okay, I got one, I got yeah, one. Yeah, I know yeah, how we yeah, can make yeah, money out yeah, of this, yeah, and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, Twister. Right. We sell it with an industrial strength fan. Twist, twist, make a little wind vortex. Oh, oh. We're gonna have like oh. a, we're gonna have a literal twister going in your living room. Oh, well. Home room just spinning. Uh, there's wind everywhere. You can't get in. You can barely get in the room. Right foot on green. Yeah, I think that's gonna work. And it's gonna excellent. Excellent. This has been a good meeting. Now let's go out there and uh, let's buy another company and get some more money. Hell yeah. <laughs> If we could bring this meeting to some sort of order. Well, uh, I think it's very simple. We, 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 we know all the levels we have to do. We just yeah, have to... Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, it yeah. seems like the science is saying we need to have a mask mandate, it seems. No, yeah. mask mandate. That's yeah, what the doctors are saying, is it? That's what the doctors are saying, unfortunately. Bloody doctors. No, we do not agree about the mask mandate. Well, I... Uh, how am I supposed to get a, a, a mask? I don't, I don't have to wear a I didn't wear a mask when I was younger, and I've lived through the bubonic plague and all sorts. Well, see, I, you know, I, 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 I you know, I, I think that we really should be, 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 actually, that's a good question. Why aren't you wearing a mask right now? They, uh, uh, I'm if, not if wearing we... a bloody mask. That's no. for the bloody pros. No, no. It's for the pros. I don't have to wear a mask. You wear a mask. Oh no, I can't be wearing a mask. Um, my 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 mother sent me in with a note this morning saying I don't have to. Well, I mean, if Mummy said so, then I suppose exactly. Right. You wear a mask. No, I don't want to wear a bloody mask. I've never worn a mask before. I won't wear one now. I mean, that's how I handled that problem with dust insulation when I was when I had the builders in. Yeah, you didn't wear one then, did you? No. No, oh, and then you know there was the time I got all the asbestos in my lungs. It's very fine. No, okay, okay. I've got a compromise. I've got a compromise. Yeah, we compromise. make we make a mask mandate. Yeah. But we are exempt from it because we never let the mask slip. I mean, we have been talking a lot about migrants recently. Oh fuck. <laughs> so. <gasps> What has got into your eye meats? What has got into my eye meats? Let's uh, let's let's have a look. I've got to get the I've got the wrong list up in I. We watched a film, didn't we? 
We did. What did we watch? We watched Cube. Yeah. So this is a 1997 horror film. Yeah. Um, Cube. that I want to give a slightly spoilery preface for because, like, this is huge content warning for this. Yeah, film. it's and con- not the gore. I'm like, not the horror. Content warning that I think, like, ultimately didn't ruin my enjoyment, but I want to make sure is sort of prefaced up yes. front. Um. So there is a character in... Well, we'll get to the actual premise of this in a minute. There is a character in this film who is presented as having some sort of um, learning disability is probably how it's presented. I mean, it's 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 autism. It's very clearly autism. Yeah, it wasn't thing. until, like... Because basically the, the way this came up was you'd been talking to Casey about horror. Do you want to yes. plug that? Uh, yes, um... Yes, over on si- Are You Sitting Comfortably, which is a podcast I periodically do with Casey Explosion, where we talk about horror-y things, Casey pitched The Cube to me. Or mentioned The Cube because they were talking about a later film that creator had done. But The oh. Cube sounded really interesting. Not The Cube, just Cube. Sorry, Cube. cube. Just Cube. 1997? Cube. Um, so yeah, the... the, the... There is a character in this who is clearly coded as autistic, and I, I'm confident in saying that that is the way he is performed and coded, because the director of the film, who, who is plays also, that character, who plays that character, runs a school for autistic kids, and like a lot of the things that are going on are very specifically like, oh, that's the head hitting and very specific finger tapping, like that's stimming, that's very specifically autistic over sense, uh, over sensory overload or um, repetitive self-hitting. Like, it's very clear the performance was done by someone who spent a lot of time around autistic people, and I think that... And not in a music kind of way. Yeah. And, like, yeah, definitely not, like, music in the sort of, like, it's not overacted, and there is a genuine... <sighs> there, There is enough about that performance that seems sincere and real that I had to go and Google. I was like, it's the late 90s. There's no way they did. But is this an autistic actor? Mm. Like, it, it's, a, it's a little over the top in a couple of places. The main the main thing with it is, like, there are some characters in this who treat this character real fucking shitty. And they are always presented as either villainous or, um, you know, actively punished for doing so. But, like, at one point, like, you know... There's one drop of the arsler, and it's very quickly followed by someone calling the person who said it a lit- literal Nazi. Like, oh, you made a eugenics-y sounding argument? I'm, I'm gonna call you a Nazi and punch you in the fucking face. Like, I think she says something along the lines of leave him alone, you fucking Nazi. Yeah, so like, it's very... It's clearly meant to be... It's clearly from a place of wanting to do proper representation. It, it missteps. It's big, it, like... You're going to have to watch some people shouting at what's clearly an autistic character and also a bit of savant trope going on. Yes. Um, but, like, putting that aside, that... Re- it, it, it it's should a fascinating say, concept, right? It should say a lot about this film that I have all those preface complaints and I want to rave about this film and talk about how <laughs> amazing it is. And, like, I can recognise the flaws with that performance, but this film is amazing. Mm. Um, so it is a... Horror film that like feels very tonally like the original Saw when it, it but without the flashing at to outside of the yeah. the room. It's very low budget. Yeah. It's like single, single largely yeah. a single room. Uh, just color coded differently. So a bunch of people wake up in a featureless cube 
And on each side... It's nice to be patterned. Yeah, uh, it's nice to be patterned. The walls are a colour, and each of the faces has, like, a door you can go through that will lead to an identical cube room. Um, The the colour changes, and it's very clear they're using the same set over and over, but just changing the colour each time to go, they've moved to a different bit of the cube. But, like, it's such an effective technique for... This sort of disorienting, but still, you can track the progress really easily. I have to say that Cube is way easier to follow than Cube 2 Hypercube. Because Hypercube, I believe all the rooms are white. Yeah, from what I can from what I can tell from what you've said, it sounds like that one deals with like um in, entirely white rooms and like uh, non, non-Euclidean geometry and shit. Yes. So we'll put that aside for now. But yes, they wake up in this big, <coughs> big... Uh, cube room or series of cube rooms they don't know why they're there and many of the rooms are trapped if you go into the wrong one you will just die like the film literally opens with someone being cheese wired in a style of um the resident evil laser corridor um but like it it really well handles like here is a group of people trapped in a small stressful situation with the threat of death if they do progress carelessly but dying of hunger, starvation, drought, etc. if they don't, and the tension that that brings. And the types of people we have in there. We've got, like, this complete nihilist who doesn't feel like they have anything to live for. You have this uh, cop who acts like a fucking Nazi. What a shock. Yeah. Um, You have this, I believe, she's like a... She's a doctor, I think. Yes. And uh, also a conspiracy theorist. Yeah, like, I really like that all of the characters have very strong, like... Here is their useful trait, here is their their big downside, and it keeps those consistent and very well established. Like, you can see, for each of them, like, here's how they're gonna help, and here's the thing that's gonna be a liability. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's like an 80-minute film, it's pretty short, yeah. um, but like, it it moves at a really good pace yeah. um, without ever feeling rushed. Like, as you said, like, we got, we got to a point and you were like, oh, the film's nearly over. It's like, yeah. Yeah, but like, not in a way that felt like, no. oh, this was too short. It was perfect length for what it wanted to be. Yeah. I really liked, I really liked the mystery. Mm. I thought it was very clever. We, Who built the cube? What's outside the cube? What's happening? Like, what, like, what is actually happening in, yeah. the, in where they are? Yes, the... The realisation of, like, the end point of what's going on yep. was so genius. I wanted to... I, oh, <laughs> it's so smart. Yes, it is. It's such a smart film. And also for someone like me who just loves, like, twisty puzzles. So the idea that, like, it is a puzzle as well as being, like, a uh, a prison, essentially. Yeah. Because um... that that's how they initially discuss it. They're always talking about it like a prison. But the, as the, the movie wears on, they're like... There is a puzzle element to this. So here's the thing that, like, I, I keep comparing it to the first Saw film, and I know that that's maybe, like, a like an easy comparison. Oh, I think that's fair. It is a, yeah. a small-budget film that, yeah. like, people talk about, like, horror's really easy to do on yeah. a low budget. Yeah. If you it's... have a, a, a smart and concise enough idea, mm. and I think they absolutely and, had that but with this. The thing I think this does better than Saw as a franchise, maybe the first film, but... Pati- yeah, I, I can say the first film. Like, it, there are definitely points of this. Mm. It always feels like the, there is a way to get out of this situation without getting hurt or dying. Like, it... 
like one of my biggest complaints about Sora's a franchise, even from the first film, there's uh, the person who's got a certain time limit to get out of the chicken wire maze, I think it is. Yes, uh, the razor the, wire maze. The razor wire maze. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, they, yeah, he clearly wanted to, to get out. He tried. He did it. He cared about life. He still died. That always annoys me about Saw. Yeah. This feels very like, this plays by Saw its... constantly broke its own yeah. rules. Um, this, this first one at least yeah. follows its rules really well. I feel like it does. I, I feel like it follows its rules really consistently in a way that makes me much more invested in the results of what's happening. And, oh, it's... So yeah, go go in with like there's gonna be a little bit of people being mean to an autistic character. They are villainized for it, but uh, they, that's gonna happen. A little bit, a little bit of um, savantism. But it's a really good film, though. It's it's weird because I haven't watched it in years, and I, as soon as you were mentioning it, it, was like Cube. We should watch Cube. I love Cube. Cube's brilliant. And then like it took me to I've start. It's it's a thing I've been doing more in recent years. Like I'll go. Oh, I remember that film from my youth. And then it will like sit in my brain for about twenty minutes and tick 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 tick. Oh yeah, there's probably some transphobia in there. There's probably some homophobia. There's almost yeah. Like wasn't it like for this like fifteen minutes before the film started? I was before before we put the film on. I was like, I bet there's an arsler in this film. There there is. There's one arsler, but the person is definitely villainized for using it, and they are called a a literal fucking Nazi. So like. Here's the thing. For a film of that era, it's not perfect by today's standards, but it definitely feels... It does better than a lot of movies today. It feels like, at the very least, it is trying to portray anyone who is mean to autistic people as monstrous and villainous and should not be, you know, should not be heard out on that. Mm -hmm. And not being played by an autistic actor. Considering that, the performance is really well done. Yeah. Um, it... Like... Some of the very specific hand flapping, I'm like, that's that's you didn't just watch YouTube videos. That's a that's an actual you hand e- flap. You either know there. someone or yeah, you have someone in the family or yeah. in this case you work with. Well, like very specifically, like there's there's a point where the character's hitting himself on the head in that sort of uh, big over, uh, sensory overload yes. moment, and there is a character who explicitly steps in to assure other people he is not a threat and that this behavior is not indicative he is dangerous to other people. The doctor, yeah. The, the, it's a shame the doctor didn't use the word autism. Really feels like they could have done and should have done. Yeah, but like I oh. feel like I don't like I don't know. I can't speak for the director, but I feel like maybe that was a sort of like I don't want to say it. Well, because then I'm like then I'm going to be accused of doing one thing or another thing. But like it's it's still very much coded so, that way. So first of all, yeah, I get that, but also that's a hard thing to sell when you literally like run a school yes. for autistic kids. But also, but the internet yeah. it wasn't what it is now. No. I will. I will say I don't know specifics. Cube Zero apparently might make the this performance not so great in retrospect. There is maybe there is. I don't know specifics. I've been told that there's something in Cube Zero that implies maybe that's not autism. Maybe that's a thing that's done to people. The, yes. Yeah. That might imply oh autism essentially autism traits are a thing that can be done to someone it might be an implication that film see the the third one kind of the, makes the, the the second and third movies do very weird sort of future stuff mm. and i don't like because cube zero could be set at any time yeah uh sorry cube what the original cube could be set at any time like yeah. they're in jumpsuits 
they're in this cube, they are stripped of everything, like, yep. the only things they have are, like, the, one of the main characters has her glasses. Yes. We we know that the, the cube is a physically constructed location yeah. because someone in there talks about it being physically yep. constructed. It's not until, like, the second one we, we start talking about, like, hyper, uh, like hyperdimensions. Like, a fourth four-dimensional cube where, like, f- maybe you need five left turns to get back to where you started. Yeah. Um... Things like that. And mm. I like I'm fascinated by the, the oh, geometry agreed. of Agreed. I'm real The ending of that film is fucking wild and I don't know why they did that and I kind of hate it. So here's here's <laughs> kind of where I'm feeling after watching this first one. Amazing standalone horror film that we never can- touch the others. <laughs> I, I I'm like I would more than happily watch this and go, that's the only cube film that ever exists. Yeah, do that. My interest. I think you'd be happier. My interest in Cube Two is because I I love I love the idea of taking this premise and even if narratively it doesn't need to exist, I love the idea of trying to put this kind of setting but in fucking hyper reality and rules not making sense. That that is not following the rules of that first film that, that I enjoyed, following... but I'm going to enjoy it as its own separate thing, probably. That's not following the rules of that because like. Uh... No, I can't say anything. Yeah, okay, say it. nothing. Cube I'm... Zero, however, spends a majority of its time outside the cube. And who are the people who watch what is happening in the cube? Like, who yeah. are the the wardens of this prison? And and honestly, like, I hope that doesn't say too much. That it doesn't tell me too much. But also, I'm really fascinated to uh, to get a picture of the outside world of some description. I think in the way that cube, the original cube. does the way it does of being like a very single room it is predominantly done as a two people in a one or two (sighs) rooms but they have just have cameras and they're watching what's going on inside the cube and like that's why i was so fascinated by cube zero over cube two like because i love hypercube so much i watched cube two a bunch but then cube zero came along and it was like some things. My my vague understanding is Cube Two goes a little off the rails, and then Cube Zero goes sort of back to what makes Cube good in that sense of we're going to focus on a person-related small situation story that doesn't that just focuses on a very clear idea of a very small interaction. Or what if the outside of the cube existed? And there was a touch of the beginning of We Happy Few. Oh, there's there's a bit of me that's like... Because when, when I heard the vague sense of what Cube Zero was going to be, my first thought was, okay, yeah, I'd have, watched a, I'd have watched a Saw film from the perspective of just Jigsaw sat in a room watching the game unfold and just a whole film of, like, never going into the game, just, what the fuck's he doing during that? I kind of like that idea. Yep. Like, oh. what if there was... What if the cube had bureaucracy and guards? Oh, and yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm here for this. Uh, and things. For, and also management. For, for all of its flaws, this... I, as soon as Casey started describing the first film, I was like, I know that, I know that warts and all, this is going to be a series for me. This is going to be... <laughs> fascinating in all the kind of ways I love despite any flaws it's gonna have yeah like <sighs> definitely you have already seen the best one okay but well, there there are elements of 
to that I found I find fascinating from a hyperdimension style and um something involving watches, I'm not gonna say more than that, that happens in, in Hypercube that was like, ha and then Cube Zero is just the, just the concept of that oh, people just sit and watch what happens in the cube all day because that's their like literal paid for paid job. That's what they do for a living. And they have a boss, and their boss is like, could have been played by, bought from Wish Rick Mail, <laughs> um, who is an interesting character. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, that's. I'm happy to watch those with you if you want. Oh, I want to watch those sequels <laughs> for better or worse. <laughs> Uh, what do you what do you watched? I mean, that was mostly it. I'll be honest. Um, yeah. I watched the new Casey. Um, and not Casey pushing up roses. I watched the new yeah. pushing up roses. Um, she's done a video about uh, a Stephen King movie, uh, which I believe is called Maximum Overdrive. I just need to double check oh, that. Yeah, that's a Stephen King. Yes. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's certainly something, huh? Mm-hmm. I I I don't. Mm hmm. So what if all of the machines, or a, a large chunk of the machines, decided that they they were sentient, and maybe it's something to do with um, uh, an asteroid passing by, but also maybe it's something to do with aliens? I mean, it's Stephen King, it could be either. <laughs> Apparently he was off his tits on coke when he wrote this. I mean, most of the things Stephen King wrote is off his tits on coke when he wrote. Well, I mean, this is what... This is what... This is what entertains me, like, thinking back to the, like, 80s when I was younger. And I remember somebody saying, like, to an adult around me, going, Oh, Stephen King's so prolific, constantly writing new books. And now I think back and it's just like, yes, because he was constantly off his face on cocaine. One of my favourite TikToks is, um, it's like someone going, Oh, Stephen King, how did how did you write so many stories? Like, how, how do you do it? Um, and then it cuts to a clip from um, an anti-crime, uh, a dog's <laughs> like a dare video. Or something. Yeah, it's it's specifically like I, I think it's like McGru- like a McGruff the crime dog kind right. of character going doing crack and cocaine. <laughs> it's there's there's a song I mean, about there's, there's a song about crack and coke that it cuts to and it's, it amuses me greatly. That, that sounds like what happened. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that I watched was or we watched together. For the most part, we watched the Apocalypse Saga. We did. Uh, I watched uh, most of it and then got recaps on what I missed, but I sort of followed it. Uh, Which is the uh, Oxventure series that they ran last year. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons by the Oxventure YouTube uh, people. Outside Xbox, Outside Extra people, um, and uh, DM'd by Johnny Chiodini. And yeah, like. We were talking about like I I basically stopped watching or listening to anything D and D at the start of the pandemic, and I don't I didn't really understand why. Mm. Like all of a sudden, I was stuck at home, and I was like, all the things that were, were like my regulars, I watch every Ox Adventure, yeah. I wa- I I listen to ev- like Dice Funk religiously every week. Yeah. Like I didn't listen to any of season seven until about like a month ago. Well, and mean, then I binged the whole the whole season. I mean, there was a big change in routine that impacted many of the 
<laughs> impacted routine a lot. Well, initially I thought it was just that that was my like commuting thing. Yeah. But we we were talking about this the other day, and and possibly the whole idea of while we're stuck, don't really want to be thinking about grand adventures. I mean, I think it's a lot to do I think with. I had a little bit of that with video games. I didn't yeah. want to go on like grounded grand adventures because. Like ah, I could replay a Zelda, but uh, uh, that's Link out in a field having a good time yeah, in the sun. Let's play, stay inside, and play slightly abstracted board games. It, it, yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird year, and I don't think it's surprising that media consumption habits kind of shifted. Really did, and I'm glad that I'm starting to get back to some of those because, like, I really enjoy yeah. the Ox Ventures. Like, they they are a wonderful cast of people. Yeah. Hanging out, playing playing D and D together, and having a really silly time. Yeah. Um. And I think it was recently watching the couple of live shows from EGX. Hmm. Uh. That made me sort of go, well, you know what? I watched those two now, and I really, let's let's see what I missed. Yeah. So it was nice to go back and have like a thirteen part, uh, multi hour long series yeah. to just sit and and listen to. Very, with, very with fun as people. ever. Had a good laugh. It's they do a good funny Johnny and excellent DM. Yeah, um, yeah, it was, it was good. Even even though um, uh, Dob wasn't there for a, a considerable chunk, they managed to write that in in an amusing way. Yeah. yeah. What about you? Have you watched anything else? Ah, I think that's everything I've watched. Well then, <gasps> top of this. Right, everyone, everyone, right, um, is, is everyone ready for our meeting? I suppose so, yes. Yes, yes, um, so we have, we have a bit of a branding problem and we need to work out how to solve it. No one is coming to libraries. The young people don't seem, don't seem up to date on libraries being a cool place to be. But, but, but libraries are wonderful. It's a learning place and magic and I know, all life comes to the world. I know, exactly. So I've been working on a rebrand. I wanted to know what you thought. So I'm thinking we call it... Library Plus, right? It's uh, we we have an app, right? And you you look up uh, you look up the books on the app, and yes. when you look at that up, we 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 sort of make a big deal of like, oh hey, any book for free with this one weird trick. Download the cool app that all the YouTubers are probably talking about. We can get some YouTube ads or some 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 internet ads and go, oh, hey, download an app, free books. You d- one day delivery. They're already in our library, but we just tell them to come pick it up the next day. Because, ah. you know, one day delivery is all the rage. Maybe go like, oh, three hour delivery. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it's available in just a couple of hours. Free book. It's right there. Yeah. If you, you got any ideas how we can make, how we can, what, what we can use to entice them in? What do, what do people like these days? We can put it in a tunnel. A tunnel? Yes. In a tunnel that's very difficult to get in and out of and could oh. potentially be a fire risk. Oh, we make it like one of those cool uh, hip underground spots. We put it under yes. like a, tra- a train uh, train bridge or something. Uh, well, I was thinking like, what if we electrified all the books? Ooh. Like digital books. Oh, I see. I thought I oh, I oh thought you meant electric books. I wouldn't have been too keen on that. Um, how about we make like a, well, what is it they call it? An ARG. If you read the books, maybe you'll get a clue to find out, I, I don't know, who the secret librarian is. Do, do we have a secret librarian? I mean, it's going to be me and a fake moustache, probably. Oh, I see. And they'll be like, oh, uh, we took oh, it off, it was me. Uh, and you could be like, and it's like th- in that one book where the villain wore a false moustache. Exactly. And then they've learned about more books and they can go read more books. If you liked this book, perhaps you will like other books. If we you suggestions. Oh, suggestions, yes. yes. Uh, like, uh, you you liked this, maybe you'll like this. 
I'm going to try this. That they uh, can scroll through for oh, hours I've and not seen a thing a book. in bookshops. I've seen a thing in bookshops. You get the, all the books that aren't selling and you wrap them up in brown paper and you write a brief synopsis that makes them sound way more interesting than they actually are. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Um, I mean, I do have one controversial final suggestion. Yes? I mean, we, may, we could just make an effort for them to be communal spaces that we advertise like people can just be here and capitalism doesn't require them to do anything. And, and we can keep for all the homeless people that come in here for warmth. Exactly. We wouldn't have to move them off. No, exactly. This is just... Well, I think we should make a community space. Indeed. As long as they don't get the good soup on, on, on the books. Exactly. The soup... You have the soup and then you go and look at the soup books. Soup in the canteen. Books in here. Oh, wonderful. Everywhere. Wonderful. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi. Hi. So, uh... We got a problem. I, not a money problem though, right? I, I no, we're we're making all the money, but like it's a perception problem, and right. like I, we gotta we gotta find a way to spin something. So, you know how we released the uh, those remakes of those old uh, monster collecting yeah. uh, games, and we we didn't make yeah, them. Gotta much. buy them all. Yeah, I gotta buy them all. Exactly. We did. We didn't make these ones though. We firmed them out of some secondhand, you know, uh, other studio. Uh, we don't even have to whip our own interns. Exactly. You know, is uh, make make them on the cheap. Get them. Get them. Get them out the door. Is fine. Yeah. So yeah, they're selling really well. We're making so much money. But nice. We got a we got a little problem, and right. I think it's just like a marketing problem. Right. Um, right. The games are broken as fuck. I mean, that's the default for us, Yeah, but, right? like, more than usual. Um, right, you, right. you know that game's meant to take, like, 30 hours to, to get through if you're going through it pretty quick? Yeah. I mean, I and I was saying how we should probably put in, like, a microtransaction where you can, you know, get through it a bit quicker. Yeah, they don't need a microtransaction for that. Uh, Speedrunners have already got the game down a half an hour. 30 minutes, not 30 hours. I mean, that's not good because that's still within the refund window. Exactly. A, a, a speedrunner could, in theory, complete this within the refund window. We got a real problem on our hands. That here. is a big problem. Yeah, no, like, uh, you you can just... Uh, it's so broken, you run around in cutscenes and, like, just go run into the next room while the cutscene's trying to, you know, do stuff. You can, you can walk through walls, you can surf over the land, you can go out of bounds. It's, it's wild. That is pretty wild. So now we can whip the people we farmed us out to, right? Well, I mean, yeah, that goes without here, saying. But, like, I get to whip them. I mean, look... It's funny that we we you know speedrunning got got brought up because yeah. like I think I think this is just a marketing problem right because like I think we need to repivot and go this is a remake designed for speedrunners right yeah like all of these glitches are here to uh, give you uh, you know a sense of discoverability you know these games they're remakes you know them inside and out or do you new speedrunning tech added just for you. Yeah, like now you have uh, like a whole new category and you'll have all the fun of discovering new ways to break our game. Exactly. If this was just like the original that you 30 you know, minutes, we've got someone in tech who can do it in three minutes. Yeah. Oh, find out his his speed running tech. Yeah, have you worked out how to fold through the floor yet? Oh, I bet you haven't, because like, it's not a thing you can do. Uh, yeah, but we could we could patch that in, right? I mean Wait, sorry, one sec, I'm getting an email. Someone discovered a way to fall through the floor before we'd even announced it. It it's, This game's broken. Okay, so we patch out like 50% of these problems and then they have to deal with the, the speedrunning. You are fucking genius. I know. So, what if 
have you put in your ears this week? My ears. It's not been a very ear-heavy week, really. Or it has. Um, it's been a ear-heavy week on one thing. One thing. I've listened to about 15 hours of that Lord of the Rings unabridged that yeah. I was talking about. How, how's it going? Um, um, hmm, hmm. I realise, because I've read this book twice. Right. I read I read Lord of the Rings as a, like I think when I was about thirteen I struggled through it I yeah. read like almost all the way up to Bree and then I had to completely restart because it had taken me so long I just lost track yeah all that horny for trees stuff in that first book he's very horny for trees was uh, was too much for my aphantasiac brain to do yeah and then I read it all through over the course of about a year. And then when I was in hospital with meningitis, I read it through in 10 days because I was stuck in hospital and had no other entertainment. Hell yeah. Didn't have, didn't have like smartphones back then. Oh no. It's definitely couldn't have a phone on the, in, in a hospital. Um, and I was quarantined as well because yeah. meningitis. Um, so there I was in a side room for 10 days and <clears throat> I read through the whole thing. And again, like I can skip over huge chunks of that because I remember it from the audio drama, and I don't have any, like, uh, I, because I have aphantasia, I don't really have any like imaginings for what anything looks yeah. like or anything is. For some reason, having a book read to me, yeah, gives me more time to process what's being said, yes, in a way that I actually think about the media more than when I'm trying to oh. force the letters down my head. I 100% agree. I find words easier to, like, on instinct process than words which I have to convert into... Like, written words I have to convert into words. Like, I'm not sure if it's my age or, like, the way I'm more aware of certain things as I've got older... But like there, I definitely felt like I processed this book in a whole different way so far. Hell yeah! Audio books are books. Audio books are books, and and I'm starting to realise maybe I should punish myself less for the fact that I really struggle with actually reading full books a lot of the time. Because apparently I get way more out of them when they're read to me. Hell yeah! Um, I'm the same. The books I remember most from my life were all read to me via audiobook yeah. medium. Yeah, audiobooks or audio dramas are the things yeah. I remember best and most fondly. Um, but, like, thing, things that I have thought about, like, so Tolkien has said that, like, there isn't really an English myth, so I wanted to create, like, a nice, sprawling yeah. English myth. And the Hobbits are, like, the most perfect ideal version of England to me, Tolkien, who is writing this book. Yeah. Who constantly has hobbits in the Shire. Like, and I, don't, I don't know if it's just the general hobbits. Yeah. But a lot of them are, like, xenophobic from people three streets away. Yeah. Like, half a mile down the road. Why, that's the other side of the world, you squinty-eyed stranger. Oh, I'm so... What? Oh. <laughs> um... And then there was, like, a whole s section where they were talking about, like, the, the Nazgul turning yeah. up in... In the Shire. Now, because I think I played the video game before I really started getting into the, like, the trying to read the book and process that, I have had in my, like, in my mind, the words I associate it is, is the image I have from that game of their, like, dark cloaks. 
Yeah. Um, um, usually lined with blue because of the moon shining down on them and they come out in the dark and they're just a pair of eyes and, and you can't see a face. Yeah. So when they say the Black Riders, they are riders and they are black, right? Because they have no colour. But the, the and there was a whole bit the sec at the beginning of the book where I'm just like, you've talked a lot about squint-eyed or slant-eyed strangers. Hmm. I'm like, mm-hmm. And now you're talking about... I think it was the description of the fact that like some of the riders were described as oh that they're it was it was it was a black fella all dressed in black himself. I was like, Hank, and it's taken me until like much like actually in book two like post Rivendell mm. stuff where they're talking about like the the fact that there isn't really anything in the cloaks that you can see. They're wraiths. They're sort yeah. of not really in this world. But I'm just like, but I'm starting to question like. Wait, have I, have I been wrong all this time as they are, like, literally just you can't see their faces or you probably can't even see their eyes or they are, like, they're in the movie. They're just, like, you look inside the cloak and it's, like, you took the, the, the skull out of the death robe from that, that picture of death. Mm. Because they are essentially, like, deathly characters. To come in contact with them for most characters is yeah. you will die. So I'd always drawn that parallel. But number of times, like... Oh, he was a black fella, and he was all dressed up in black himself. It was like... Uh, mm. Look, I will say this... I don't know. I will say this. Um, writers of a certain era... Oh, yeah. Uh, you tend to notice kind of racist turns of phrase that they use very casually. Yes. And certainly did not consider would be a problem but to thing, use. But things I'd never processed before. Yeah. I mean, look... It, it, <sighs> You you look at how he depicts the elves versus a lot of his descriptions of other races, and you're like, ah, oh, yes, the the tall tall white blonde uh, elves, and yeah, other races that are gonna get described with terms that do not feel great. Oh, especially like, if you get to the point of the Southrons and the Easterlings. Yeah. Like, hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and that's how you've pictured like basically Middle Earth's East Asians. Huh? I mean, hmm. <sighs> I'm not going to say that the way he's presented uh, the the hobbits being xenophobic is idyllic of England, but it sure is probably an accurate representation of England, uh, especially then. Yeah, I like to hope that like there are chunks of England at least that are like less like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, if I had to generalize, I'd I'd still. Oh, I think go... generally, no. UK, pretty fucking racist country. Yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Pretty fucking overwhelmingly racist country. I don't know. Maybe I I spend a lot of time in places where it's like, hey, everybody. I try and surround myself in those spaces as best I can, but oh god, there's a lot of racism out there. There, there is, and mm. and I guess I because I don't experience it myself. I probably notice less of it than there actually is. Which That's always the way. It's trying to be more aware of these things as we move and grow. Um, yeah. um, that's that's yes. it. I'm 15 hours into Lord of the Rings. They've they're they have. I think they're like minutes away from encountering the Balrog. Uh, so they're they're in in Moria. Uh, I listened to a couple of songs this week. Tell me about the songs you've uh, listened let to. Me, let me pull up the songs of what I listened to. I listened to a song called $20 Nosebleed by Fallout Boy. Uh-huh. Um, not a Fallout Boy song I'd ever heard before. Right. Very bouncy, upbeat kind of track in a way I did not expect from Fallout Boy. Mm. About, you know, that, that urge you sometimes get to just kind of run away from life. Either 
into a comfortable past that you can't really go back to, or a distant future where you've like, you know, I'm just going to run off and join the monks, I'm going to go live in a monastery up at the top of a mountain and no one will ever find me again. That sort of just... Wanting the big change in life. The, the wanting of the big change in life and the wanting to just, I want to leave this life beat and all of its baggage that exists behind and just, yeah. just not. Just none, none of this is a thing. Totally understand. There, I, there was like a whole six month period where I kept like vaguely fantasizing about my house burning down. I just being like, yeah. well, I wouldn't have all the baggage of all the stuff I carry around with me. When, when, when life is bad, there is, there is that little feeling that can just go, hey, just fuck it. Just fucking like, just fucking hop a hop a train and turn up somewhere in the middle of nowhere and pe- like start a new life. No one will find you. Yeah. yeah. It's 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 an interesting track. It definitely contrasts deliberately upbeat mm. uh, sound with the thing it's talking about. Uh, I also listened to a song called Au Revoir by the Front Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, How are they doing? They're doing good. I enjoy their music. This is a song of theirs I've listened to before. I'd never really stopped to listen to the words of it. You know, mm-hmm. you know those kind of tracks. Uh, almost all of them. Yeah. Today. Um. It's just a it's it's a nice short track. It's about two minutes, and it's just this very quiet goodbye between two people. It sounds like it might be a breakup or something, but mm. like it's not like an angry, explosive one. It's not sad. It's not grieving. It's just saying goodbye as if as if it was any other day. Mm. Um, and there's something really human about it that I really enjoy in mm. that sense of like. No, this is just uh, just an ending of, of some connection between people that's just, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of a gentle bicker and there might be a little bit of a laugh in there, but it's just, it is what it is. And it's it's very interesting storytelling in that track. I found it really interesting. Um, and I finally went and listened to the full song of a track called uh, Come Over by Crawlers. Uh, which is a band that I've been following on TikTok since like a year ago and they've just had this is the song they've just had their big break with they're finally making it into the UK ch- charts um, they are a all all femme rock band that have a song that like the chorus of has been doing the rounds on trans TikTok um, about hey you, you stop stop dead naming and mourning me just fucking no be happy about who i am now mm-hmm. is the energy it has and why trans people have latched onto it um there's a particular line that's something like um take take her name out of your mouth you don't deserve to mourn mm. and i'm like yeah that's that's a real mm, chorus is real fucking good it's a slow build to it but it pays off really nicely that track nice it's a real real good track Hey. Hi. Hey. Hi. It's me, Big Brands. Yeah, it's you, Big Big Brands. Yeah. I recognize the brand. Yes, yeah. hello. You clicked yes to receiving updates about discounts, didn't you? I mean, I didn't click no, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, you have opted in. You, you had a triple negative in your do you want to not engage with avoiding adverts i was very confused yeah but you didn't click on subscribe okay that link fine work. what you add what you advertising at me get well you know what time of year it is primary gifting period i'm guessing mm, 
we've had the Black Friday. Yeah. You like the Black Friday? We did all those discounts. Okay. Um. Well, if that's already happened, then what are you messaging me about? Well, you know, we extended those through the weekend, right? We right. had Black Friday, and then we extended through the weekend. You know, right. Black Friday all weekend. Right. A long Black Friday. Okay. Yeah. And then... Cyber Monday. I mean, yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's gone past Monday now, so yeah, are we done. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what's what now? Cyber season. Cyber season. Wait, what's cyber season? No, season. I regret asking. What cyber, cyber season runs all the way through until the twentieth of December. You can get all of our best deals and all of the things. You can get so much off of of all the products that we sell. Sometimes up to 70% off of the, the very expensive thing that we sell. Come on. I'm going to say this to you, Big Brand, mm. in the politest way I can. Mm. You're beginning to sound a lot like uh, DFS. But you want a sale, right? You want the items now that they're I mean, on I sale, do want them on right? sale, but I don't want right? fucking capitalism. What if we... What if we move them just a little bit further? We can move them further if we like... I mean, I mean, here's my suggestion: just sell it at a reasonable price all the time. If you're gonna, if you're gonna be on sale all the time, just don't be on sale. Don't just sell have all the, the price. Time, just November till the, the end of cyber season. Just then, not all the time. How, how we couldn't afford to make money if these uh, were all the prices all the time. That'd be. Hmm, I like. Are you money. doing a January sale as well? No. No, there might there might be an Easter sale and a summer sale. But that's it. The rest of the time, this product, $1,500. Right now, $500. Come on. Come on. Piracy sites. I'm going to the piracy sites. Ooh, we're going to make that very difficult. Not that difficult. <laughs> The universe. It's unfathomably vast, possibly even infinite. Within our universe, stars are born. Many will hold planets within their gravitational pull, so may even be able to support life. In millions of years, our sun may expand and envelop each planet in our solar system. But before then, a meteor could impact the Earth and wipe us all out. In the history of the universe, such an event would figure as barely a footnote in the endless unfolding of time. Consequently, it can feel easy to say that nothing we do matters, but that's not true. What you do matters. Who you are matters. You matter unless you're a fascist and then you can fuck off into the sun right now questions let's have the questions what's the questions uh, Thousand Young asks uh, most believable fictional villain with motives that actually make sense instead of yar going evil evil bad doing evil for the glory of evil you'll never catch me alive goody two shoes I mean, Killmonger is, a, gonna is, say a, Killmonger is an example to jump to. The other one that jumps to mind goes a little extreme with the uh, the ways of trying to get there in the end. But uh, uh, Kings, I was going to go Kingsman 2. 
The villain of Kingsman 2, their whole thing is that oh, they're trying the to... drugs thing, wasn't literally it? Literally all they want is the uh, decriminalisation of drug possession. Yes. Like, that's their whole goal, is oh, to yeah, decriminalise yeah. drug use. Yeah. And, like, the whole plot of that film is, like, world governments going, no, we'd rather you murder all of our populations than us give in and make drugs legal. And yeah. it very quickly becoming like, oh, the war on drugs really doesn't care about the cost of human life. That's a good villain. Oh, yeah. Fascinating villain. Yeah, like Monstrous, especially, but especially like... when, like, the is it the president in that? Yeah, Just yeah. turns around and goes, yeah, fuck him. Yeah, we'll that's... put him in the cage. Because that's the thing, is like, look, yeah, she fucking grinds people up into burgers and like she, she's she's villains. But like at end of the day, she's asking for something that's not gonna harm anyone. It's actively gonna like make a lot of people's lives less bad. And uh the president is like, nah, kill, kill people, I'm not doing that. And like, that's a fascinating villain. I like yep. that one. Mm. Um I said Shang-Chi's dad, I should probably clarify that. Yeah. Not all the horrible things he did for years, <laughs> but the um, being tormented by the death of someone you love and yeah. doing stupid things. Yes, being... <sighs> fooling yourself into thinking that death is something in your control and that, you know, you can overcome the most painful things in your life. And and the question did ask specifically about believable fictional villains. And I, yeah. you know, I believe that... Grief can do terrible yeah. things to people. I, I believe the re- like the reasons he set up in that to not to, to kind of hate his kids. I believe those reasons. Yeah. Like I I believe how he gets where he's where he's going and why he acts the way he does. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Chicky asks, uh, "What is this podcast about?" Wrong answers only. I mean, it's Joe Rogan fancast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a Richard Spencer fancast, right? Oh, <laughs> it's not. <laughs> now we, we mustn't. We mustn't name a third one of those because then we might accidentally summon them. Oh no! We've mentioned two. We can get okay, away with that. That was. Our, that was yeah. I'm so sorry. I used our our entire. <laughs> I should have shared one with you. <laughs> maybe we could split them in half down the middle. Well, maybe next time. We've we've did we done it now? Maybe we could just saw them in half anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh. Any others? Uh, nothing that's going to be better than that. You gave, me, you gave me a good chuckle there. Uh, treacle. The treacle fandom. Yeah, we are treacle stands here. We all simp for treacle. Mathsager asks, My brother is coming uh, to town for the holidays and I need to get him a gift. Since he's British, I was thinking British snack foods that are hard to find in the US. Any suggestions? Oh, I'm trying to think what ones are hard to find in the what US. What do we usually send Steph? Uh, um, gold bars? Oh. Oh, gold bars, like Tangy Toms, Transformer Snacks, some yep. of those. Space Raiders. Yeah, the, the barely, barely crisps, crisps. The, barely cri- um, the, the puffed corn snacks. That yeah. Lightly. Maybe if you could find some Panda Pops, like a, like a blue raspberry Panda Pop. Do they still make Panda Pops? I don't, I don't think they do. I said that and then realised I think they discontinued them. Oh no, but like, Skips. Uh, skips. Uh, those little not white chocolate mice. Yeah, cola oh, cubes. Uh, if you can find cola cubes yeah. that actually have a chewy centre. Um, fruit salads and blackjacks. Yeah, if they uh, happen to be into licorice, get yeah. definitely go with well, fruit, fruit salads. I think are a good yeah. Good... Uh, drumsticks. I don't. Oh, know drumstick. If, I don't know if swizzle snacks are a big thing in the US. I don't. I don't know. I'm. D- uh, I feel like some of the biscuits we have over here, like custard creams, bourbons. I don't think are particularly American. Uh, yeah, and, and that's good because they're awful. <laughs> they're but they're great. Bourbons, custard creams. 
Digestives? You can't get a digestive I used in the to States. Do, when I did stand-up comedy, I used to do like a 10-minute rant about how much I hated custard creams. <laughs> They're my favourite biscuit, I'm sorry to tell you. I fucking love a good custard cream. Then you will protect me from the custard creams. Nom nom nom, tasty custard cream. Many a time in my life I bought a 30p pack of like a corner shop. Just a big pack of custard creams. I'll just sit and munch a whole pack of custard creams. Fucking great. I'm glad you enjoyed them. Okay, well, what would you suggest then, if my suggestions are bad? Um, those Fox's chocolate rounds. <sighs> with a really thick Belgian chocolate on. Ah, oh, um, the... The, the... Like a custard cream, but they're, they're hobnob circle on either side. Have you ever had those? No, but they sound oh, amazing. Oh, they're great. Oh, the, the, um, the, they're, like, quite small, aren't they? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the Fox's creams, OT creams. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. Yep. Um, mm. Crisp flavours you can't get in the States. Uh, prawn cocktail, not a thing in the States. What? Yeah. But it's the best flavour. I know, right? Um, scampi and lemon flavour knickknacks. Ribs oh, and saucy no, oh, knickknacks. Nice and spicy, nice and spicy Just knickknacks. Just knickknacks in general. Yeah, knickknacks are great. Yeah. Um, Look at popular British crisp flavours. Don't bother with in, cho- like... the cheese ones. You already have Cheetos. They're superior. Yeah. Um... And I'm talking about the crunchy ones, not the puffed, puffed ones. I'm trying to think what else we have here that's a good, that's a good snack. What's a good... Ah. Like a Walker's sort of thing about... Like, I suppose you have Frito-Lay over there anyway. Yeah, but I don't you know if they do. I, I, I know at a time salt and vinegar was not common over there. Really? Yeah, it was an uncommon flavour for a while. Yeah, um... And I, yeah, like some things like, like I don't. Oh, uh, chipsticks. Oh, chipsticks. Bet you can't get chipsticks. Some vinegar there. chipsticks. Frazzles. Oh. oh, frazzles. Um, yeah, that that sort of stuff. Yeah. Pot noodle. Get them a pot noodle. Do they not have those in the states? I don't. I don't think so. I think they. I, I think they actually have ramen over there. Yeah. Well, I mean, how are you going to do a pot noodle? You don't have fucking kettles. Oh, sick burn. <laughs> well, you know, you um. You microwave your pot noodle, I guess. You 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 get the uh, the electric kettle that you've purchased and don't know how to use, and then you just open the lid of the pot noodle and you pour it into the kettle. <laughs> yeah. And then you complain that it's boiling over into the sink. <laughs> Sick burn, which is what you would get if you put a pot noodle in a kettle and then ran it. Um, I hope that's enough suggestions for you, Alpha. Living in a dungeon. Asks, are Christmas lights nice? And if so, what are the best Christmas lights? I like twinkly little colourful fairy lights. I like fairy lights. Yeah. They don't have to be Christmas lights. Exactly, you fairy can lights to... can be all year round. In America they call them string lights. Yeah, they but can that, be all year round. That takes all the magic out of them. Yeah, the fairy, fairy lights. lights. They say they love fairies. They say fairy lights. Yeah. Yeah, dancing with the trees. They, they make little colours just for us. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, traditional, like, the pointy ones. Yeah, uh, the the I I don't know if they're still made of glass. I guess they're plastic now, mm. but used to be like like pinched off little bits of glass. Yeah. Um, especially if you can find one with the, an actual yellow in it, mm. because since they switched over to LED bulbs, a lot of them have much harsher lights in them. Yes. And like back in the eighties, I remember it being sort of warm and really like yes. really nice. But there were also a lot more house fires, so yeah. <laughs> Swings around. They're trade offs. They were. They were. They were trade offs. But like, yeah, fairy lights of that sort of style. If you can get like nice warm lights, 
the the things I think that mitigate that really nicely are the the ones you can get with like the little frosted balls on them. Mm. I used to have a really nice string of those in my old place, like strung up around the ceiling. Yeah, and they're just like a nice, soft, diffused light that's um, you know just not too much, and it's not quite nice. Quite nice yeah. when you come back after a rave. Alternatively, if you get like a nail file and rub them over plastic bulbs, you can make your own diffused light because mm. that's how that works. Mm. Um, and those are the best, the best fairy lights, uh, or string lights. Yeah. Um, RX used to have that, like, grid of fairy lights above the oh, bed. Oh, yeah. I always thought that was rather cool. A bit much in a small room, but, like, definitely, like, I liked the idea that you, there's just, like, here is a sheet of lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, make, make the world's most, uh, organised and regimented, uh, cosmic patterns. <laughs> I suppose if you took a few of the bulbs out, you could yeah. make it more cosmic. Um, Lucy asks, what are you looking forward to? Um, a bit of a rest over UDP, honestly. Mm-hmm. I'm ready for a bit of time off. I say rest. I mean, probably gonna, I'm probably gonna try and make sure that the book is finished if, if, yeah. if, the second draft of that isn't already done. I mean, I've got a, like... I've got a protest like a week into next year, yep. so like, but like, I, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm gonna spend some time not in the office. Maybe build a model or something. Have a bit Ooh. of a chill. I suspect that our um our local board game group mm. are probably gonna have a party. That would yeah. be nice. It would be nice to see like that group. It would be. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to our wedding reception. Oh yeah, which we're finally having. Which we will probably have had by the time that people, a lot of people, hear this. Yeah, uh, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. We're going to see some people that we've really not seen in very wedding long time. part three. Wedding part three. <laughs> what was part two? You'll never know. Mm. Uh, yeah. So I'm. Um, I'm um, those. Those. These are some of the things I'm looking forward to. Um, just I'm looking forward to making some more music. Yeah. I've. It's been a really long time because obviously been very focused on the book. Between like that and the editing work I've been doing, it's like I, I don't have free time. It's like realizing what I used to. What did I used to do in my free time? I would go for very long walks. Yeah. At all times of the day, and I would clean the house. So consequently, we have a very dusty house, but most of a book. I mean, that's what happens when you do a book. It's just you. You see how everything else just kind of takes a back seat for a bit. Pretty much. Yeah. I've done a few of these now. It's it yeah. I mean, maybe if I keep getting Patreon supports, patreoncom radio Nice plug. I thank you. Um, I can you know maybe spend less time doing day job stuff and more time just creating lovely things for all the lovely people to enjoy. Exactly. Maybe some more live stream. That'd be lovely. Ah, is that it for questions? Uh, No, we have one from that that lovely Phoenix too. Hi, Phoenix. Love you. Oh, hey, Phoenix. Love you. Uh, Phoenix asks. Uh, best soup to make. You have a good soup. Oh, carrots, soup. carrot soup. I like a good carrot soup. Mm-hmm. Just many, many carrots. Uh, there's a bit, a bit of onion, a bit of garlic. Um, it, carrots just a very sweet soup base flavour. Mm. You can pair it well with other things. Like you could do carrot and chili. You could do a carrot and ginger. It pairs well with a lot of other like not sweet flavours. You, you add like one other flavour to it, and it turns out real nice. Mm. It's a very it's a very good, versatile base soup. Good soup. Good soup. Uh, 
I like a leek and potato. I like a uh, malagatoni. Oh, what's a malagatoni? It's uh, like a, a, it's like a curried meat of some sort. Oh. But I guess you could probably do like a curried jackfruit oh. malagatoni. I, I like a cu- like a like a red a curried red lentil soup. Mm. Like a sort of cu- a good curried soup. I don't, I don't think I've ever made a red curry soup. Oh, but, um, yeah. My mum does a very good red lentil uh, curry soup mm. that that is. I can't imagine why it wouldn't be vegan. It's a very tasty soup. Nice. It's mainly just lentils. I love lentils. Spices. I used, to, I used to really love a lentil soup, but gosh, it makes you windy. A little bit, a little bit. It's 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 a digestive nightmare. Yeah. Um, but delicious. I'm yeah. not tasty lentils. Oh no, I have the farties. <laughs> it keeps the house warm in this time of year. <laughs> Maybe I should make more lentil soup. Yeah. You've got lentils. Got chickpeas too. Om nom nom. Um, like anything with like a decent amount of just mixed veg and potato, where yeah. the potato was like boiled for too long and it's just really thickened the soup up mm. to like almost chowder levels. Yeah, a chowder, like a a sweet corn chowder, is amazing. Lovely. Not had sweet corn chowder in a while. Might have to. Might have to fix that. <laughs> nom nom nom. Tasty chowder. Uh, and that is <gasps> all the questions. <gasps> well then, time for this. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Social justice warriors. Social justice warriors. Yeah. Alright, Larry. Alright, Larry. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, well, you know, uh, tired, honestly. Oh, yeah, same, yeah. same, you know. Uh, getting, getting overworked, underpaid, as oh, it is. Yeah, underpaid, one bullion free, yeah. Well, well you know, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that'll uh, start changing soon. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I joined yeah. a union. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there wasn't previously one in place, but... Uh, uh, you know, chatting to some of the folks, and we finally got one off the ground, which has been yeah, uh, yeah. good. Uh, despite all the uh, anti-union movement going on recently from uh, employers. Yeah, I've noticed a few employers, you know, messaging, you know, oh, we got a big vote coming up, and if you're not sure, maybe you just vote no. Yeah, you know, it's... Uh... There's a there's a reason that corporations fearmonger and scaremonger about uh, unions, which is unions are powerful, you know, uh... Like, capitalism only works because it, you know, separates the workers from the means of production and, you know, keeps them keeps them on the breadline so that, you know, if you do not have, a, you know, all you can really afford to do is work, 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 have some sleep, go back and work, work, work. And We accept that, you know, the five-day, nine-to-five yeah. work week is not efficient, but it does keep everyone, you know, tired and scared enough and exactly. constantly exhausted enough well, that they will keep uh, engaging yeah. in the capitalism. It's, it's routinely been shown in studies that, you know, reducing the number of hours and the numbers of days worked in the week increases productivity. Um, but, you know, capitalism doesn't like that because if you're tired, if you're not tired and you have free time, you can organise and you can ask you for better. start having ideas. Exactly, rather than just being like, oh no, I need this job to not die. I'd, I'd better take what I'm given. Um, yeah, unions are bloody powerful, you know. In, in, in enough numbers, you can go, no, do better. And, you know, it's easier to get stuff done. Well, you know, there are many, many more of us than them. Exactly. This this House of Cards only... There's a reason they call it the 1%. Exactly. It only, this House of Cards can only stand because we allow it to. And, yeah. uh, you know, unions are a small step on the way to readdressing that. You know, there are... There are steps like, you know, replacing for-profit corporations with, like, workers' co-ops and things, and, you know, eventually tearing down the whole system. But unions, very good starting point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
don't really have much more to say on that. No, I agree. I good. agree. Union, big big pro-union. Yeah. Join a union or, you know, maybe consider starting one. Exactly. Don't, don't let them yeah. scare you away from them. Unions, more power to you. Absolutely. Very literally. Yeah. You uh, fancy a hug, mate? Oh, yeah, definitely. Nice, nice. Ah, good on, mate. Good on. Yeah. Right. Right, I think I'm going to pop the kettle on. I'm probably going to have a little nap. Lovely, mate. Lovely. So, Laura. <gasps> yes? We've got a book. We've got a book. It's called Who Wants the Whale? Go order a copy. Then we can put it on shelves and you can read it. Yeah. It's about anti-capitalism and anti-corporate sentiment, but video games and stuff. And funny. And funny. There's funny, but also, like, maybe corporations bad, but also video games. But also video games. And it's funny. It's funny. Oh, we've been having such a laugh reading that book. It's yeah. a good book. I'm so... I'm, like... I'm not usually one for laughing at repeat material, but yeah. there's been a few times where I'm like, nip. <laughs> we we did that read through together, and there were points where I was like, ah, that's yes. This is like the third or fourth time I've gone through this. That's real good, Jane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and the fact that I'm not tired of, I I I'm not tired of reading a book no. that we've written and edited and reread other drafts and read and yeah. read. I usually hate books the minute I start writing on them. I'm like, <laughs> even if it's a great book, I hate it. Like by by like two weeks in, I fucking hate the book. Mm. I like this one still. I'm really enjoying I this. I really like this one. Um, I am enjoying this. I have enjoyed our process for this. I just yeah. wish I had more time to commit to it. Um, yeah, like I'm I'm very much enjoying it, and it's funny and silly, and it's full of heart and yeah, f- fun. So many wholesome characters that I want to introduce people to. I love I, our, the people we've made. There, there are like three people who I absolutely would like. Oh. I would love to hang out with them. Yeah, there's 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 three in particular who I'm like, oh, they're. They're beautiful, perfect babies. I yeah. love them. They're the best. <laughs> and that's because they're the best characters in the book. I mean, <laughs> look, they're my, they're, they're my personal favourites, I, I won't they're lie. They're my favourites, and then there's, you know, the people in charge. <laughs> and then there's, like, little factions around the office oh. who are fascinating in weird oh. ways. So, yeah, go check out Who Hunts the Whale. Either Google Who Hunts the Whale, Unbound, or go to unbound.com forward slash books, forward slash whale. Go check it out. Do it, please. Other than that, I'm at Laura K. Buzz everywhere. What about you? Me, uh, patreon.com slash Radio. I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, and streamerlinks.com slash janiac, J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Um, you can help me hit that ever-elusive 25 uh, Patreon. Ooh. I would really like to do that. I'm at 22 now. If three of you could just donate me a dollar a month, uh, that would that would be so wonderful. So and I would really appreciate so that. Close. And I would be ever closer to being able to afford upgrades to some of my music stuff so I could make even better music when I finally get back there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm very hype. Oh, I'm very hype for that. Uh, Laura, <gasps> sing us out, please, darling. Until next time. Be a stranger.